I'm Matt Gary Fisher, and this is the Burn From Within show. Each week, I interview inspiring people who have changed their career or life to light up inside. So if you want to get excited about your Mondays, work on meaningful projects, and have more time for the passions and people that matter to you, stay tuned. In this week's episode, we explore deeper Something I promised to cover last week that's such an important model to me and other people's lives that I had to share it sooner rather than later on the show. Have you ever felt stressed or unhappy or even moving on a path that you don't want to be on in life or at work? Well, we all have as humans at some point in our lives, right? Now, here's a perfect example from Mulia Griggs, who I interviewed about what led her to severe burnout. And in this clip, she talks about why one of her direct reports at the Daily Mash quit her job. Now, when you listen to this clip, I want you to reflect on elements that you are unhappy about in your own life, as we're going to start to use an incredible model to investigate where you might be misaligned internally so we can find opportunities to change and feel happier, less stressed, more at peace and even lit up from within. Last year you were at a very busy job as director of social media and there was the moment where I I remember reading um, an article that you wrote about you, you receiving Slack messages and then you started to to basically weep uh, and I think you asked yourself what is this all for what is yeah. this all for and then that was the moment where you decided that's it I'm I'm quitting um, yeah maybe take us back to that moment what was that like and what was going on in your experience then yeah I, actually I was sitting at the same table I'm at now it was a period where someone had just left um, on my team from burnout And when that person who I hired and who I cared about a lot gave notice, the reasons that she voiced to me for leaving, I could hear all the similarities for what I was experiencing. So she said, it's a very thankless role. I like my team. I love a lot of my coworkers, but it's it's an invisible job and we're working around the clock in a very punishing news cycle. And it's just feels like, what is this for? is what she said to me, essentially. And when she said it, I I couldn't really say to her as her boss, I'm really going through the same thing. But I just said, I know, I I completely understand. And I had never really taken a proper medical leave. I think the one that I should have taken then. And so all of these things were just coming together at one time. And so I was on my computer. There was not a major moment. I don't remember what the person said to me on Slack that triggered me, but I had been working from home for maybe two weeks straight because commuting even was exhausting. And so I was asking to just work remotely while I was covering different people's shifts. And I had been on enough crying. Well, I guess I hadn't been crying until that point. So that was the first time I really broke down. And I, I did say out loud, what is this all for? What am I doing? I really care about the news and I care about getting stories to people and storytelling. And I care about the people that I'm managing and my coworkers, but I had been putting off my own mental health for so long. And 
the things I needed to do to just manage my own anxiety and my burnout. And I realized that at some point it had to be me. Some At some point I would have to be the one that was quitting and leaving because the second I hired someone else and my team would inevitably quit because I knew that they were, the rest of them were not very happy either. So let's unpack what Mulia just shared there. You see, at some level, Mulia was not happy in her job and nor was her direct report in her team, who she really cared about. And when I say at some level she was not happy, I say that very deliberately. Now, I mentioned in the last episode of the show about six levels of human experience that we all operate at at any one time. The levels again for those who missed last week's analysis episode are level one, environment, level two, behaviors, level three, skills or capabilities, level four, beliefs and values, level five, identity, and level six, the highest level, purpose. Now, when someone like Mulia or you, the audience, are reflecting thoughts about our own lives, we can use an awareness of these levels to pinpoint at which level misalignments can be happening. Now, let's break down what Mulia shared about her colleague that quit her job before her. It's a very thankless role. I like my team. I love a lot of my coworkers, but it's a, it's an invisible job and we're working around the clock in a very punishing news cycle. And it's just it feels like, what is this for? At an environment level, this is about things external to you, such as your workplace, your colleagues, the location you live in. Mulia's colleague is aligned in some ways. She likes a team, and at another level, the values level, she may value being seen, heard, and respected in the contribution she makes in her work. So there's a misalignment in the statement, it's an invisible job. Now at another level, the highest level of the six levels of human experience, there is a misalignment at the level of purpose. When she said, and it just feels like, what is this for? Now, back at the environment level, working around the clock with a very punishing news cycle in her working environment, essentially, and working culture, there is an internal conflict. Relating to Malia's colleague in your own life at the environment level, with your workplace, your colleagues, your company culture, maybe the town you live in, the people that you work with, in which areas are you happy about or we can say internally aligned and in which areas are there inner conflicts that you aren't happy about? Perhaps you can also relate in having a conflict in what you value too in your work or in your life at the values level. Now we'll explore more about values with other clips, don't worry. Certainly at some point you may have asked the same question as Millie's colleague, what is this for? Whether that's related to your career, business, relationships, when we really question the meaning behind a career or a life path we're on, if we haven't got an answer we're happy with, perhaps we're misaligned internally at the purpose level. How can you relate to this 
in your own life or career now. And so all of these things were just coming together at one time. And so I was on my computer. There was not a major moment. I don't remember what the person said to me on Slack that triggered me. And I had been on enough crying. Well, I guess I hadn't been crying until that point. So that was the first time I really broke down. And I, I did say out loud, what is this all for? You see, I've been in moments like this in my life, crying to myself because I was unhappy and I couldn't pinpoint the reason. And then I hired someone to explore this with me and I learned some of these tools for myself so that I wouldn't suddenly break down, but take conscious steps to check in with myself and make tiny adjustments to change where I felt misaligned and the areas I felt aligned on perhaps double down on those where there is an opportunity to. Now, in Malia's case, she had a realisation after her colleague left of areas she was aligned in. I really care about the news and I care about getting stories to people and storytelling. And I care about the people that I'm managing and my coworkers. But other areas were being neglected that were taking a toll mentally and physically. But I had been putting off my own mental health for so long and the things I needed to do to just manage my own anxiety and my burnout. And I realized that at some point it had to be me. Some, at some point I would have to be the one that was quitting and leaving. And of course, you can realize that your life or career is on an unsustainable path once you develop symptoms of stress, burnout, strained relationships with friends and loved ones, the reason my purpose in analysing these conversations with you right now is for you to be aware of your cockpit controls in your life, part of which are these six levels of human experience, and identify where there are misalignments so you can course correct and not crash and burn in the case of Malia with symptoms like epilepsy and then severe burnout, taking over a year off work to recover her mental and physical health. Yeah, all everything just was, I, I wasn't seeing my friends. I wasn't, I was, I think I was not a pleasant person to be around and I was, I, I couldn't cook. I wasn't exercising. I you know I had, I just, it was, it was, it just got to a point where I couldn't, I knew I wanted to see a therapist. I knew I wanted to be taking better care of myself. I felt like I, I couldn't do what I was doing and do that. And I couldn't change jobs because I couldn't figure out what job I should move to that wouldn't cause the same problem if I didn't seriously take time. And I didn't think that two weeks would be enough. I didn't think that two weeks between new two jobs would be enough. I knew I needed more. So I felt like quitting was really the only option <laughs> um, if I wanted to maintain any semblance of my health. Now, when it comes to career change or a change in your life path, often physical symptoms are signs that you are internally misaligned. Now, here is another clip of Patrick Ryder and symptoms from not just overwork, but misalignment on various levels in his life and career. I think there's probably three areas, you know, physical, mental, and emotional. Uh, I'm sure that resonates with lots of people. So, but for me, it's well documented what the impact of stress can be in the, uh, from a corporate 
day to day. For me, physically, I ended up losing, I knew something was badly wrong when I ended up losing something like 15 kilos in eight weeks without actually changing my diet at all and without exercising a great deal. So I was still eating burgers, uh, a lot of Asian Chinese food, obviously, but losing 15 kilos is a huge amount of weight in a very short space of time. So and that was one indicator. I think uh, that got me seriously worried. Pure mental stress mm. in that I found it impossible to turn off. The global nature of the business I was running meant that when Asia closes, America opens and Europe somewhere in the middle and the nature of the connected business world nowadays means that you are, there are metrics in place, there are deals that need doing. So it's kind of the fear and greed perspective in its worst form. Not greed from my part, but greed from my company's part and the business world in general's part. It's about making money, otherwise they'd be charities. But certainly you end up in a state of high anxiety that you are either missing stuff or that you failed at stuff, or that the perception of you is that you're not pulling your weight and things like that. So <clears throat> that manifested itself, certainly physically for me. The second thing was mentally. The mental impact was very negative. It turned me into a very introverted person and it was the total wrong kind of focus. The third part of things, my relationship, those all suffered as a result of that is I wasn't the family guy that I should have been, that I wanted to be, that I could have been. And I think if you put all those three things together over time and you keep grinding it out, then something's going to break. And I felt that it truly did within me. And the impact on my marriage also was starting to be extremely detrimental as well. Even though my wife was also is, a very sort of uh, senior executive with a lot of responsibility and pressure. I just simply wasn't getting any kind of fulfillment out of business success and everything else was suffering as a result of that. So these six levels to explore in your life really can be like a mental health litmus test to find out internal misalignments early so you stay healthy mentally and, of course, physically too. Now, often when you put yourself in new environments, sometimes out of your comfort zone, you find new opportunities to spot what's missing in your life, what is misaligned. In Stevie Bellamy's case, living a lavish life on paper, he ticked many boxes and on multiple levels he had fancy cars and ate expensive restaurants, bought designer clothes, holidayed in lavish getaways, etc. But he felt empty inside. I had a wonderful life. I had a beautiful home, beautiful cars, investment properties. We had um, amazing holidays all around the world. I'd gone to the Caribbean or going to Alaska or skiing in Aspen, all those things. Just a shallow existence. It was beautiful, five stars and everything, but there was no satisfaction. And I couldn't understand how hollow I felt when I came home. Yeah. I spent a fortune and had no joy to bring back. The harder I worked, the more I made. I had investment properties. So everybody was envious of me, but I felt shallow. 
I, and I didn't know what it was. I thought maybe I should, you know, try and discover God or, um, but it, going to Nepal literally changed my life. It was through changing his environment, meeting new people, that Stevie discovered the value of compassion to others. For him, giving possessions he didn't need to those poorer than himself gave him joy and lit him up inside. Now, he wasn't aware of this before, different levels. In this case, at Stevie's value level and his purpose level. That he tested and he realised they shifted him to be more internally aligned and ultimately happier. You mentioned about the moment when you gave something to one of these children. You said the, the joy on their face when you gave whatever it was to them. Can you tell me a little bit about that experience of like how it might have changed you inside and, and what that was like? giving something to a, ch a child over in, I believe, in India at the time. Yeah, it was India. Yes. Um, I made up a student pack for each child in the school. It had 10, exer 10 exercise books, 10 pencils, 10 pens, a ruler, a pencil sharpener, some balloons and some lollies. Very, very simple. It's around five dollars worth. So for a uh, a school of 60 kids, it's $300 to supply enough stationery to last them a whole year. But when I go and I, and I give each of these child, each of these kids a student pack, the joy is just palpable. You, it, I'd give a million dollars to get what I receive from a child when you give them something new. For them to see their faces when they open that bag and they have a brand new box of pencils and a brand new pack of pens, something they've probably never seen. They get one pencil and that's probably chewed and, you know, secondhand. So it was initially, it was, it was quite a selfish mission for me because I was getting the reward. The kids were getting the stationery, but the reward I was getting, I could not buy anywhere else. Amazing. And it's hard to describe that connection with another human being. One prime example of being on the wrong path externally and so misaligned at the environment level is Matt Harry's story of how he turned his life around from being a daily heroin user in Sydney to changing his life and moving on a path to a successful career in finance and various physical achievements such as becoming the fastest Australian to swim the English Channel. What would the kind of first steps that you took to to start to change like what what prompted you to change because that could be a lifelong thing yeah you're right and i i often look back and there were some kind of pivotal moments that could have taken me even deeper and I often look back and consider myself quite lucky to be alive to be honest and certainly some of the people that i was with at the time Many of them have just disappeared. I know of a couple who suffer, still suffer quite serious uh, mental health issues as a result of those days. But I've lost contact with everyone and I lost contact on purpose because, as you say, when you're surrounded by that type of environment and those type of people, it's very difficult to drag yourself out, let alone your own mental state at the time. Even to isolate yourself in that mental state and try and drag yourself out is very difficult without those influences around you. But 
as Arnold Schwarzenegger likes to say, there's no such thing as a self-made man. You always rely on people along the way. So in Matt Harry's case, there is a serious misalignment at the environment level, which needed to be changed. The people he hung out with and the location he lived in were contributing to a path that he did not want to keep traveling down on in life. And uh, a very good mate of mine ran into me in Sydney and I invited him to my house. I'd known uh, this guy Bacon for maybe 10 years at the time. I mean, he'd been through university and done quite well and he'd gone on to live in London and been paid quite well and he had a career and he was a smart guy and his life was together and straight off the set of friends in the 90s, basically. Um, But he, he ran into me, I ran into him in Sydney and I invited him over to my place one night and he came over and I could tell that he was, he was pretty quiet and a little bit, I thought he was just thinking, oh, Matt's blown it. He's a completely lost cause kind of thing. We spent a couple of hours together and he left. And the next day I opened my front door and there was a book there called The Jeff Hackman Story. And it's about a guy that was a, an elite surfer uh, back in the 70s and 80s, Jeff Hackman, who lost his way with heroin. And Bacon, he never tried to... He never tried to pull me up directly, but he sat this door, this book on my doorstep and I've still got it and I've still got the little card that was inside the front cover. And all the little card said was, has your too good for King's Cross bacon? And that was it. And that kind of started, just started the germination of something. I remember might have been a couple of weeks after that, just waking up one night at 4 4, 5, 4.30 in the morning, something, and just sitting bolt upright on my on my surfboard cover on the linoleum floor and just looking around myself and just going, how did I, what happened? I like, what, what happened here? I was a smart kid. I had everything in front of me. I've got a great family. How, how did I end up here? I never expected my life to, to look like this at this stage. And it really started to really started me thinking. And then fortunately or unfortunately, well, in hindsight, I guess it was uh, quite fortunate. I met this uh, French girl who was also an absolute mess and a, and a regular drug taker, um, probably not quite on the same level as myself and the other people I was hanging around with. But I started a relationship with her and I, I moved in with her. She had a place in King's Cross as well. Uh, moved in there, had a little bit more space, but it wasn't that much better. Anyway, it turned out that she just was cheating on me with everyone behind my back. And obviously, this was a pretty heartbreaking thing for me to have to find out. But it just, the two things that with my mate kind of going, you're too good for King's Cross. And then this blow up with this French girl and finding out that everyone was doing everything behind my back. I just went, you know, what do you expect, mate? Like, th- these are the people you're with. This is your environment. This is your lot in life unless things change. And that gave me the, the impetus to commence the, commence the journey back. So I returned to, returned to Melbourne and went under the wing of my family and some friends and stayed on a mate's couch for three or four months full of anxiety as I came off drugs and, and we started working our way back from there. In Matt's case, having a realisation that he was misaligned at the environment level was quite obvious Yet, he did not change his behaviour until his friend gave him a book about someone he could relate to, a surfer who became addicted to heroin, an identity he realised he was like. 
and those those few short powerful words written on his friend's card and all the little card said was has your too good for king's cross bacon and that was it and that kind of started just started the germination of something why were those words so powerful for matt they didn't say you can do better than king's cross bacon or you can move from king's cross bacon or you don't believe you're happy with this life in king's cross do you bacon it struck matt to the core of his identity you are too good for king's cross those two little words you are can change everything and they did for matt harry now i often notice huge identity conflicts and misalignments internally like this but in the context of careers when you use the words you are or say to yourself i am and then follow it with an identity of a person that you do not want to be this starts often an unconscious process of projecting an image of yourself into the future being that person for years and the feeling that brings up can be enough of a prompt to change your behavior to stop this from happening further now when you're thinking about changing careers you might feel misaligned when you say i am a it consultant or accountant or plumber so this is a crucial check of cockpit controls particularly in a career how do you feel when you say i am plus your job role now, often people realize that they want to change jobs or careers when they find it hard to tell people what they do for a living there is an internal misalignment that they've not confronted and i hope this episode right now is making this signal of unhappiness at an identity level clear for you so that you can start the process of change now one big area that people feel misaligned in if they want to do something different with their life and career is their skills or capabilities another level in the six levels of human experience in this clip max vishnev discusses his existing skills as new skills a new career or business everything is like a stepping stone or you can think of it as like building a house right you need the foundation but then you you kind of have the framework and then you start building out uh walls and, and putting in windows so think about like i think about my journey as putting pieces in place and then that could lead you to something else something bigger something better and you can also transfer the skills you learn to to a completely different industry right so for example if you asked me in my 20s when i was sitting on a large trading desk max would you one do you think you'll one day be a, a great tour guide in new york city I, i would say you're nuts matt what's wrong with you right but i didn't know at the time but you know i actually became a really good tour guide and i have like 1500 reviews on tripadvisor to, to validate that and it's because i was not shy i tended to get along well with people i had uh, a knack for wanting to learn and being able to synthesize new information so i was able to transfer that into a completely new industry but it turns out that 
even though it's a completely new industry, you need certain fundamentals, right? To, to make it work. Like you need, you need to have the desire, right? You need to have the wherewithal and perseverance to get through hard times. You need to be highly motivated and, and, and driven. And then you need to be open to possibilities. So for me, I have been able to make career changes and, and, and attempt different pivots because of those things. So I was able to transfer my skills with, I mean, even numbers, right? Like running a tour business still requires accounting, business planning, projecting cash flow, thinking about pricing, competition, competitive advantages. So I was able to harness, like I had a you know finance degree, right? And then I had uh, an MBA. So I was able to harness some of my business knowledge to build a tour company, right? It wasn't just like, hey, let me go become a tour guide. It's let me build a business. So I was able to use my business background and some, some financial knowledge to build the business. But then the, the people skills were honed. Yes, I was friendly. Yes, I was relatively extroverted, but I was a crappy tour guide when I started because I hardly knew anything, right? And I was nervous. I became a great tour guide because I practiced and I studied and I took meticulous notes. I had books on top of books and each book had my notes on it because I, I read because I wanted to become the best tour guide I could be so I can grow my business. Identity you want to become perhaps Having a belief that you can develop any skills if you put the work in. You have the self-belief, you can do that. And perhaps if you have the right support at the environment level, you know and believe you can develop these new skills to a level where you then feel aligned internally. Right, and sustain it. So I guess the long-winded answer is um, you, you cannot be afraid of change because people underestimate how many skills they already have and how transferable those skills are to what sounds on paper like a completely different business. It, it might be a different industry, but a lot of it is transferable, right? Sometimes people are aligned at the skills and capability level. For example, they love the process of marketing and using this skill and have developed a good level of the skill through training, education, or career development. But examining their environment level, they may find misalignments. In this clip, George Guerin, founder of the McGarin Group, shares his advice on loving the process of your work. For example, marketing, but hitting what he calls the vehicle, which you can also label as the environment. And as long as you can understand the purpose, your highest level, of why you do your job or career, you can pivot around this and try or explore different environments or vehicles that showcase your skills and capabilities. Career is very related to relationships, right? If you think about, if you think about great marriages, bad marriages, toxic relationships, healthy relationships, the career, there's a lot of, there's a lot of commonalities between a lot of these things. Sometimes I can tell you, I was, I'm on my second marriage, right? I've been married for a long time now. Uh, I've got two kids. My, my first marriage was a disaster, like no kids, thank God. But the first marriage was disaster, like disaster, you know? And at the moment you're like, oh my God, this is the worst thing that's happening to me. And the, this is terrible. And then you later on, you see it's a blessing. It's a blessing. And I'm a better partner because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a better father, I'm sure. I'm a better listener. 
And then I've got a, I've got an awesome second marriage, which is just the reality of my situation. But I think if you're unemployed, sometimes it's not you. Sometimes it's the actual vehicle that you're in. This is a problem I see with a lot of people. They're unhappy. They love what they do. So take, I don't know, let's take a marketing person. They love being a marketer, but sometimes they're in the wrong company or in the wrong vehicle. So let's say they're marketing for a bank and maybe they hate a bank environment, but they would love a startup. So I would say besides changing, doing a whole 180, 360 sort of flip-flop, think about, I would probably get a list. And, and by the way, this is, I don't know if a lot of your, I journal the hell out of things and make a list of things you like about what, what you do for a living, things you don't like. And find a vehicle, right? Find a vehicle where you can expose some of the positives. I, I like what I do because I get to help people. At the end of the day, it's not about the money. It's about the help. I get to help people. And that's why recruiting and coaching and branding. And I literally get to see, even though they don't see it, I, I get to help the ki there's kids and they, I get to make a difference in their lives. And that's why I like what I do. So if I were to not do this, I would do something else where I could help people. And uh, you're, you're, they're probably in the wrong vehicle. Get in a vehicle where where, where you can, you can thrive because it's uh, unemployed is tough, but I can tell you, usually it's like a relationship. Usually the, the sun comes out after the storm. It's just a way things work out. So often in career and life change, people feel stuck. They might even know what they want to do, but they don't believe they can do that role. Or sometimes they might think they won't be able to handle the success or the big changes they may have in their life if they go for what they want because they're afraid of it. As you'll hear from this clip from best-selling author and career catalyst, Steve Preston. What would you say are some of the biggest challenges uh, your clients face in career transition when, when they come to you um, asking for advice, support, and, and to, to take them through that journey? What are the biggest challenges you've seen in the industry that they face? Well, I, I probably the first thing, Matt, everybody has skills and attributes that they've gained throughout their career and their life, which are going to help them to be able to change career. But it's all about belief and confidence to, to, to make it happen. So that's, that's, that's the first key part of it. And so many people, they, they have fears, fear of failure, fear of not earning enough, fear of, will it work? Well, I suppose that's failure. I mean, there's even people have fear of success. I actually had fear of success, which sounds bizarre, Matt. Uh, I kept thinking, what happens if what I do suddenly becomes so massively big, I can't control it and it, and it you know, can runs completely out of control. When I look back on that, I think that's, what a nice problem to have. So there are, there are so many different fears, but that ultimate fear of taking the leap of faith, you know, moving from where I am now to where I want to be, or in a lot of cases, most people don't know where they want to be at all. And that's the big question. All they know is they are stuck. That's one of the words that comes up all the time, Matt. I'm stuck. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm frustrated, I'm bored, I'm not really making any progress in my career anymore. I feel I'm just um, drifting. Or some people, even worse, they feel like they're vegetating. So those are obviously key things. And it's the belief that they can move, they can make that shift. 
And so many people who contact me initially, they think, well, yeah, I know I want to do it, or I know something's wrong, but I don't know necessarily what is wrong. All I know is I need to change, but that's really scary. So how do I make that change? And that's why, you know, people need a process because, you know, you, 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 you start with a blank sheet of paper like this and it's not very encouraging for people, is it? I think, well, okay, so what happens next? And that's something I found very early on doing this work, Matt, is that even if it's a loose framework, if people can measure their progress so they can start to see things are happening, then that helps them build their confidence and their self-belief. And then they automatically go into overdrive. Matt Harry has achieved many things in his life and gone through some extraordinary life changes, as you heard earlier in this episode. In this clip, he shares how self-belief and making a change at the beliefs level, if there is a misalignment there, is so important. What do you think is the one thing that's made the difference for you, Matt, to burn from within? That's a very good question. I think it's probably self-belief. Like even I think even when I lost my way in my 20s, I think... I had a really strong family behind me and I was given an enormous amount of self-belief and I had some success in sport and school and all that sort of stuff when I was younger, which also solidified that self-belief. But I had, I was given self-belief that was still a light that burnt through the dark, through my darkest times in Sydney and with drugs and basically being homeless. And it was always there, even though it was, very much hidden but it just took for me to turn back towards it and go hey actually I'm better than this and I can do a lot better than this and I can achieve great things in my life and I'm as good and as smart and as quick and as fancy as anyone else and I believe in myself and I'm not going to sit on the side and watch life pass me by I'm going to be one of those people that I look at and go, wow, I wonder what makes them tick. And when I ask him where that self-belief that he can do anything he puts his mind to comes from, this was his answer. Where does it come from? Where does the self-belief come from? I, look, I just think it's all based in the fact that I treat life as a giant adventure and I look around me and I go, yeah, that person's just a person they're not made out of steel or they don't have a computer for a brain some people do but you know they're just they're flesh and bone like me if they're doing it I can do it any of this stuff in the world that I look at I can do I just have to realize that there's going to be a price there's going to be a, a certain amount of work and discomfort and sacrifice that comes along with anything of great value and once you accept that and you see the, the direct link between the work and the result, life becomes a whole lot easier and more interesting and you feel more confident to take on those challenges. As I say, if, if the guy next door is doing it, I can do it too. It's really that simple. Seb Terry also gives some great advice on developing your self-belief. 
I tend to think that we completely underestimate ourselves as humans. We don't think we're capable. And we are. We're each as capable as one another. We each have our physical bodies, whatever they can, whatever they can't do. That's what we have. And we each have these amazing minds to dream and think and to conjure up thought and aspire to do things. So none of us are different. Not one person is doing something because they're more special than someone else. It's just that they try it. And when you try just once on one thing, and it can be a very simple thing, I'd suggest it is a simple thing to start. And I guess I'm speaking to the people out there who always find themselves on the start line but never take the first step. Think of one simple goal and just go for it. Don't care what happens. Just try and you'll surprise yourself. And you'll realize even just 1%, oh, I'm slightly more capable than I thought I was. Continue that as a pattern and you'll be at the finish line very quickly thinking that you're invincible, as I do. You know, I, within reason, <laughs> I haven't been in Venice that long, but I think I'm pretty invincible, you know. If there is a misalignment at the level of behavior, it simply means that you don't enjoy what you're doing. So if you're working in marketing, but you hate the process of certain tasks like writing emails, setting up social media campaigns, this is also an issue. So for me, I took a computing degree because the graduate salary was the highest and I went to one of the top universities in the world for that course. Now, when I was doing the course, I had a misalignment at several levels. One, I thought of the thought of myself being a programmer, I hated that identity. And secondly, I didn't enjoy the process of writing code. That behavior was not enjoyable. And doing more of this behavior would develop that skill, but I wasn't prepared to develop it as I simply didn't enjoy it. So I actually dropped out of that prestigious university and I did a degree in economics at another university instead. This is why testing out new life paths or career paths is so important. Either by doing work experience or internships, weekend volunteering or other routes. As locking yourself into a four-year degree or a 40-year career because the salary prospects are good is not necessarily sustainable. For more advice and real-life experience on testing out new activities to check you like them before committing to a new or different career path, listen to last week's episode for a summary commentary around testing things out or listen to my interviews in particular with Patrick Ryder who took a year off career to figure out what he wanted to do by testing and eventually switching from a career from decades in mobile tech to becoming a school teacher. And also check out Natasha Stanley's amazing advice about testing things out and following your curiosity instead of trying to discover your purpose. Which brings me on to our highest level of the six levels of human experience model, purpose. Now this is where it all comes together. Now if you imagine a pyramid and there are six steps leading up to the top of the pyramid. The bottom step is the environment level. The next step is the behavior level. The step above that is the skills and capabilities level. The step higher than this is the beliefs and values level. And above this is the identity level step. 
And at the top of the pyramid is the highest level operating human experience, purpose. The model works like this. When someone is stuck at a certain level of the pyramid, in order to create change, usually by making adjustments at one or more levels above, this unlocks levels below that are stuck. So if you imagine water running down this pyramid, now if there's a blockage at the level of belief, you might not know the issue is there, but there is no water running at the skills and capabilities level below. Now, taking this into a real-life context for your career, imagine you wanted to become a motivational speaker, and right now you're a doctor. You haven't done any speeches really, but have a powerful message you want to share with the world about your time saving people's lives and learning from the trenches of working in life and death situations and realising more and more about life and what's important that the average person not exposed to this in their nine to five desk jobs don't know. Now at a purpose level you have a clear purpose, you're internally aligned, you might even have a purpose statement such as I want to wake people up to what's really important in life so that they spend their time doing things that matter without regrets later in life. Now, at an identity level, you've been a doctor, but you want to spread the message by becoming a motivational speaker. At a belief level, you don't believe you can make speeches. You've never done it before. At a skills level, you're nervous when you give speeches, so you realise you need to develop the skills to do this. At a behaviour level, well, in order to be a motivational speaker, you need to practice speaking, perhaps daily, and work your way up to building an audience. At an environment level, you might need the right support around you to develop yourself as a motivational speaker. For example, supportive friends, family, a speaking coach perhaps, maybe being a mastermind full of aspiring speakers that motivate each other to progress each month to their goal. You may examine all of the levels and find the biggest misalignment, the most obvious one being at the skills level. You don't have the speaking skills, so you feel stuck in becoming a motivational speaker. But going back to our pyramid, there is no water at this level flowing. So by examining a level above this, we find blockages stopping water flowing into your skills level at the belief level. You have limiting beliefs around being able to develop skills to become a motivational speaker. Now, by addressing... Are there many ways to start to change your beliefs? Yes, there are. And you can unblock what's stopping the water from reaching your skills and capability level and develop your skills in speaking and building an audience and all the other skills needed to be a great motivational speaker and continue the movement and flow to your dream career, especially as at the top you have a hugely motivating purpose. So perhaps you could take Seb Terry's advice on developing your self-belief. Then set yourself a simple goal to remove your blockage at your belief level so that you can develop your motivational speaking skills. 
he is a global keynote motivational speaker now full time. So he should know. Think of one simple goal and just go for it. Don't care what happens. Just try and you'll surprise yourself and you'll realize even just 1%, oh, I'm slightly more capable than I thought I was. Continue that as a pattern and you'll be at the finish line very quickly thinking that you're invincible as I do. You know, I, within reason, <laughs> I haven't been in Venice that long, but I think I'm pretty invincible, you know. Finding meaning and a real reason, a purpose behind the work, happiness and enjoyment in the process, and even tasks that are challenging with huge obstacles in the way can be overcome when there is a why behind what you do. And when your why is strong enough in your career, often that leads to success, both measured in how fulfilled you are and also sometimes financial success too. In Luke Mickelson's case, before he built his nationwide charity, building bunk beds for kids called Sleep in Heavenly Peace or SHP, he was going through a faith crisis, was unhappy in life. Finding his opportunities to start a charity was partly luck, perhaps. And yet, he shared with me a realisation so powerful, it lays a foundation for anyone to have more joy in their lives, become more fulfilled and have meaning and purpose in whatever career or life path you pursue. There's a need for, for people to, to, to receive help. But it seems as a, there's also a need on the other side of people to give and, and also to have a purpose and to share their passion for, for service. Where, where do you think people can go uh, in the world if, if they don't have access to SHP? How can they find their purpose? How can they find passion? It's a great question, man. I'd like to say we all had a crystal ball that we could, we could rub and look into and it would tell us exactly what our purpose our, our sole purpose would be. For me, honestly, w one driving force that helped me realize that I needed to make a change, um, if you will, was sitting on that couch when, when this all started, I was actually going through a pretty big faith crisis. I had grown up in my church since I was, since I was a baby had served a mission for my church in Texas for two years and was a very devout member. But over the course of 10 years or so, I had just, I just lost my faith and, and at least lost the same passion that I once enjoyed and shared. And, and, and I think when people do that, I know, and I know that's a big crisis right now, a lot of people are losing their faith and maybe not just in some deity or God itself, but just losing their faith in a lot of things. For me, I, I just felt it poses a lot of questions. What's wrong with me? Why am I really a bad person that I felt like I've lost my faith? Has God forgotten me? And what did I do? You go into this self-blaming mode and and it's such a foreign environment. We, I grew up knowing exactly, being taught, knowing exactly where I was supposed to go after I die and what to believe and all this stuff. And when that gets taken away, you really are a wanderer in, into a lost field and you don't even know which direction to go and, and you feel like you've been forgotten and, and being forgotten. I felt I was, <laughs> lack of a better term, I was being led by the devil, losing my faith. And, and, and I just, 
I tell my wife, I'm like, I don't feel like a bad guy. I don't feel like I'm, I deserve or have done anything that deserves to be, to, to lose my faith. And, and, and I was just tired of trying to guess what was right or wrong. And so when sleep in heavenly peace, or I should say when this opportunity came about to build beds for kids, I, I, uh, specifically remember telling myself what, despite what religion, despite what you believe or don't believe, there's no one on this planet that can tell me building a bed for a child is the wrong thing to do. And so I clung on to that and hung to that as tight as I could knowing, okay, despite what other people might think or what I think of myself when it comes to faith, I at least know that building beds for kids is a good thing. And so that's what I'm going to do. And I think people, and I think people find the same, I, I, I guess I should only, I'd only assume that people find themselves in the same circumstance, whether they have lost their faith religiously or lost their faith in humanity or just feel really absolutely alone. I think the, rather than turning to negativity, whether it's alcohol or drugs or depression or things of that nature, I think people, I know people would find their greater purpose and passion if they would turn their view and their focus away from themselves. That, that's what happened for me is the minute I was for years, Matt, I was doom and gloom and just I could feel myself just spiraling down into even depression and self-loathing. And, but I always enjoyed helping other people and that feeling of helping other people always resonated very strongly in me. So that, that's why I say, but if you really want true joy, mm -hmm. in my opinion and my experience, you need to stop looking at yourself and look how you can help other people. And I think when you look how you can help other people, I think that's when you're going to find your passion, whatever it may be. I had a actual mission president give me some really good advice. He said, no matter whatever your occupation is, whether you're flipping burgers, a garbage man, a lawyer, a doctor, whatever your occupation is, always view it as helping someone rather than a, a job. And I love that because that fits in right with why I got involved or started SHP is because it's all about helping someone else, not focusing in on yourself. Because when you do that, Matt, like all these problems that I had and these yeah. worries and these headaches, even financially, I had a great job. But I made money, but every time you make more money, you spend more money, you get more debt, you, you mm -hmm. just, it's a spiral. Why? You have to ask yourself why. And I couldn't help but think it's all because I'm thinking about this guy yeah. and what's best for this guy. And as soon as I turn that away, and you, you continue to have to do it, the minute I turn that away and thought, you know what, I'm going to forget this guy for a minute and I'm going to worry about that guy, which happens to be a child, man. The clouds cleared, mm -hmm. the, the, the darkness vanished, and, and I didn't want to lose that feeling ever again. And it seems, yes, luck can play a role in finding these opportunities to shift from focusing on yourself to serving others. And also, you can make your own luck if you're aware of this structure, which you are now. Actively finding people you can make a difference to with the skills and resources you have could be a great strategy 
to find more meaning and purpose in life. And it's those moments when you witness, perhaps on the face of people you're making a difference to, that unconsciously you change inside. Suddenly, you find something worthwhile to spend time doing that's greater than yourself, a contribution. And this can be in a career serving people in an organization, serving customers outside your organization, or running a business, and in life, having kids, for example, and supporting their growth and development, to creating magic moments with your loved ones and friends, and seeing the smiles on their faces. In this next clip, you'll hear how Stevie Bellamy changed inside when he saw the difference his small acts made to children in Nepal. First, I remember in our last conversation, you mentioned about the moment when you gave something to one of these children. I don't know what it was, if it was a pencil or, or something else, but maybe it was a mobile phone, but you said the, the joy on their face when you gave whatever it was to them. Can you tell me a little bit about that experience of like how it might have changed you inside and, and what that was like giving something to a, a child over in, I believe in India at the time. Yeah. It was India, yes. Um, I made up a student pack for each child in the school. It had 10, exer 10 exercise books, 10 pencils, 10 pens, a ruler, a pencil sharpener, some balloons and some lollies. Very, very simple. It's around $5 worth. So for a, a school of 60 kids, it's $300 to supply enough stationary to last them a whole year, which is nothing to And them. this is 300, when I this went is 300 to Australian kids, dollars, right? Is that right? US? 300 Australian right. dollars, not American yeah, wow. dollars. Yeah, wow. 300 Australian less, dollars. less money, yeah. Wow. Yeah. But when I go and I, and I give each of these child, each of these kids a student pack, the joy is just palpable. You, it, I'd give a million dollars to get what I receive from a child when you give them something new. For them to see their faces when they open that bag and they have a brand new box of pencils and a brand new pack of pens, something they've probably never seen. They get one pencil and that's probably chewed and no second hand yeah so it was initially it was, it was quite a selfish mission for me because i was getting the reward the kids were getting the stationery but the reward i was getting i could not buy anywhere else when we reflected on a moment that drove phil evangeli to start his charity capendo kids that triggered memories of his happy childhood and the opportunity in front of him to continue creating these moments became clear. Would you say that when that moment when you when you donated toys to kids in it was Namibia, right? Yeah, in Namibia. So that moment when you did it, you said your heart melted, right? Yeah. So was that is that that moment that when you felt that is that how you derived your purpose to actually start this charity? Like, where is the drive from? Because I feel that from when you were talking about it, that might have been a pivotal, pivotal moment. Yeah, so the drive was basically 
coming from how can I make change in the world that matters to me. And, you know, it made me reflect upon my childhood and thinking about all the, like, toys I received as a child and just being very grateful for that. I felt this immense feeling of gratitude for all the toys I received um, from my parents and all the love I received from my parents. And, you know, these children in the orphanages, they, they have one foster mother that sort of looks after them, but she's looking after 10 children at the same time. And they, they call them like mother, like out of respect or auntie, actually, they call them auntie out of respect. So basically, I just thought, you know, the drive was, how can I help children that are less fortunate than the childhood I had? And how can I help also like women who, who need uh, money to raise their families? And that's sort of the, what drove me to, to come up with this concept. When I asked Jeremy Lipkowitz, an expert on helping people find purpose and meaning in their lives, how people can shift from being selfish to contributing to others without having to start a charity, he revealed a structure which was truly insightful. Everyone, this concept of maybe being selfish and and then shifting to contributing to others and making an impact and a difference in the world. There are some people that, and I've been there as well, who think I don't know if I want to run a charity. I don't know if I want to help out the poor. I want to buy more cars. I want to all of that kind of stuff. So. Is there a way to start shifting from being selfish to making more of an impact? Yeah, first I would say that understanding that we all start from selfish. It's how our bodies evolved. Our physiology is made to protect ourselves. We want to seek out what's pleasurable and we want to avoid what's unpleasant. And we want to care for ourselves because that's how we needed to be in order to survive. So first understanding that it doesn't mean you're a bad person if you're selfish. It means you're a person. And so the question becomes not necessarily how to shift that or coerce that, but really saying, okay, to each person, what do you truly want in life? And what you find from people when you start to do this kind of reflection is that what everyone wants on a deeper level is happiness, is real inner fulfillment. And that can come about in many ways, but you have to start with this understanding of what do you want behind what you think you want. A lot of people think, oh, I want, I want a six-figure you know, income. I want a big house. And it's like, okay, that's fine. Why do you want that? And if you keep digging deeper, you realize that what you want is security, stability, love, fulfillment, meaning. And so it's more about what's the best way to get you what you truly want, which is that life of, of deep meaning, deep inner fulfillment. And so that's what I help people do. It's not about blaming yourself for being selfish. Like you can want nice things. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's more important to connect with what do you really want? And that's the way I work is it, it, letting go of shaming. The shaming just doesn't work. So if you feel shame, like if you go to a spiritual community and they make you feel bad because you're a selfish person, it's not going to be helpful. You have to learn how to accept yourself and start from there. Jamie Smart echoed this point about when you peel back the layers of what people want. Really, it boils down to core states of humanity. 
And so perhaps we should be rethinking our goals and reflecting what is the real definition of success. If there was a miracle tonight and you wake up tomorrow morning and everything's the way you want it to be, how would you know a miracle had occurred? What would you see and what would you hear? or What would you feel? What would you let you know? that a miracle's taken place. And so they'll come out with stuff and they'll say, I'd have this and that, and I'd be doing this and that, and that. And then I'll start getting behind that. I'll say, okay, so what would that give you that you wouldn't otherwise have? And I'll dig right into it. And in almost every, and I'll ask them again and again, and in almost every case, what people are looking for is a sense of freedom, is a sense of peace and well-being is love and happiness, joy, sense of adventure and purpose and aliveness. They're looking for those core states. And they have stuff they want to do out in the world as well. But so I think a lot of times, Matt, when people are trying to be successful or wanting to be successful, quote unquote, they've got a picture of success that has been handed to them by someone else, maybe by their parents or by a teacher or by society or by some stupid TV show or by their friends or by a YouTube channel or whatever. They've got an idea of success that is not their own. It's not, the, it's not one that they've come up with. And there was a phase at one point in the 80s and 90s, maybe people are still doing it, to make vision boards and that sort of thing. And here are all the things I want in my life. And, and, and people are, the mind is incredibly powerful. People are very good at making shit happen sometimes and that sort of thing. But you want to have the feelings in it as well because what you almost always find is People don't want the things themselves so much as the way they believe those things will make them feel. And here's the thing about human beings. Turns out we're terrible at predicting how we'll feel in, in certain future states. It's, it's a, a, the term is hedonic forecasting or hedonic prediction. That's what the psychologists call it. And when it comes to telling people how we would feel if this happened or that happened, we... we massively skew the results. We think, oh, if I had that, then I would be happy. Or if this happened, I wouldn't be happy or that sort of thing. It's not true. We're, we're not good at predicting that. So the, the first thing I'd say is start with spending some time like with, what do you mean by success? One of my friends and colleagues, Robert Holden said, if your definition of success doesn't include love, get a better definition. And I, I think that's the thing. A lot of times people's definition of success is one that's been handed to them rather than one that they've created themselves based on just spending a little time to reflect on what actually matters to you. What's actually important to you? What does it mean? Like here are the questions I would ask, actually. I would ask, what does it mean, success? What does it mean? What does it mean? And, and for what purpose? success like for what purpose and why is that important like of what value success and what do you know to be true in relation to it and what's essential in relation to it so i'd start there in terms of success so maybe knowing how you want to feel and designing a life around this coupled with having good intentions in your actions and coming from a place to serve others 
This could be a great way to plan your goals and career and life direction. And I would recommend a book based around this concept of setting goals on how you want to feel, which essentially peels away the layers of the real reason you do anything. The book is called The Desire Map by Danielle Laporte, and I highly recommend reading this and following the exercises around it. It became uh, highly recommended to me by a coach that I had for quite a while. So I hope you found this episode useful in exploring the six levels of human experience, where you're aligned and what levels are you misaligned in. The environment level, the behaviour level, the skills and capability level, the beliefs level and values level and the purpose level. To find out more information about this model, which was developed by the incredibly talented Robert Diltz, who's a legend in the world of NLP, I would recommend you go deeper into this and I will provide some links in the show notes for further reading and I might even provide a group training on this subject with practical exercises. So if you're interested in this, I might put a poll on the Burn From Within Facebook page. In fact, I will do that. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Burn From Within and vote there what additional training would be useful for you. Finally, I would like to leave you with a powerful question to ask yourself. A question that could really unlock many levels in your human experience that might be stuck. Now, I asked Jeremy Lipkowitz, what's the one thing that made the biggest difference for him to burn from within, to live life with passion, purpose and balance? And here's what he said that took me by surprise. What would you say is the one thing, Jeremy, that's enabled you to live with passion, purpose and balance and burn from within? So often it comes down to kindness and kindness for yourself and kindness for others. And understanding that kindness is not a weakness, it's a strength. When you can be compassionate towards yourself, a lot of people think that it's, it's a weakness if you're kind or if you're compassionate, but realizing that gives you a strength. When you start asking the question, who am I here to fight for? Who am I here to protect? That gives you a, like a source of strength and energy and vitality that is it's un, unmatched. And so if that's the, if the one question you could ask yourself is, who can I take care of? Who can I help? And that will go a long way. Please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Tell your friends about it if you think it would provide value for them. And feel free to leave a review. It's as easy as going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash burn from within. That's ratethispodcast.com forward slash burn from within. Select the podcast platform that you use and then follow the clear instructions given to you. Here's a shout out to Jesse Jean123456 from the UK who left this five-star review recently on iTunes. They said, genuine and inspiring. Matthew talks through personal experience of finally finding what's important and gives meaning to his life. Through interesting conversations and interviews, he is passionate in sharing and helping others to find peace and contentment. Well, Jesse... 
I hope today's episode delivered just that. And that's part of my why. So thank you for continuing to listen and leaving that review. Until next time, live with passion, purpose and balance and burn from within.